G'day, everyone. Welcome back. How are you, CJ? Good, thanks. G'day, fellas. Traveling. G'day, guys. Got all the main culprits back again. Yeah. Yeah, good to be back, Nikki mate. Nicky on the yeah. phone, Rooster, Smithy, myself. Yeah, it was a pretty heavy uh, chat last time, wasn't it? The old mental health one. It was. That was, it was. Yeah. Well, it's a bloody big area. It's important, so. Mm. It is important, and it's such a, a vast topic as well. We're going to specify a bit today, aren't we? Get a bit more specific or yeah. something? Yeah. I think that mental health one was pretty good. It was almost a little cathartic therapy session. It was. For us all, wasn't it, it was a bit, yeah. Able to good point. Get it out there, what we were thinking and feeling and have been over the last few years. Yeah, yeah exactly right. As a bloke, you're not often uh, all sitting there sort of talking about your feelings and stuff. So no. sometimes feel like you don't have the right forum. So yeah. Out there openly to everyone who's listening too. So yeah. But I guess today we're going to do our humbling. first really uh, focused sort of podcast on uh, one of the topics we've covered sort of briefly before, aren't we? Like in terms of uh, yeah. health. Yep. So we're going to run through vitamin D. Sun exposure. We talked about it during our, I think it might have been the, was it the first one we talked about in the president of the world yep. health yep. organization? Uh, we talked about that one and, and sun exposure and vitamin D. I know one of Mickey's topics was the ocean and getting into the ocean. So they all kind of tie in together. And we sort of thought we, we, we spoke a little bit about it, but we needed to dive into it a little bit deeper and definitely during our own or my own research I, I was it's 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 a real rabbit hole to go down and there's a lot a lot to unpack and a lot to learn about so we thought we'd run through that today a little bit deeper as sort of ancestral man would have done would have been running around out in in, in nature and I guess one of the one of the I mentioned it before the the primary benefits of being the ancestral man running around outside catching your food Sort of only being in the cave probably at night, you know, you're outside spending most of your time in the sun, getting sort of adequate sun exposure, building up some melanin and, and whatnot. So, well, yeah. Because CJ, there's a big differentiation there between just vitamin D levels as opposed to like all the benefits that you get out of the sun. Well, that's right, like, yes. Like it sounds like a small topic, but it's not. The sun mm. does a lot of really important things, which we're going to talk about today. So... Yeah, we you just uh, yeah. a vitamin D uh, tablet to get your your level. Well, you you probably get your levels up, but you're missing out on a lot of benefit. Yeah, and we'll we'll touch on that. I know Rooster wanted to talk about supplements a little bit, so yeah. we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, and, and I guess it's a to, it's a topical um, subject too mm. because it it, uh, it reared itself during the COVID um, pandemic, and vitamin D was proven to be a um, a very uh, effective um, tool against COVID. Um, Interestingly, sorry to cut you off there. It's probably, it's probably something that we knew before, and it's a seasonal thing too, isn't it? You know, you, you get a lot of colds and flus in the winter when you've vitamin D is good for your immunity in the winter time. Less sunshine, and another benefit of the sun is it, it's it's antimicrobial properties. You know, it's killing a lot of viruses. So when there's not a lot of sun around, viruses can proliferate. And also less uh, sunshine for our vitamin D and our immunity. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there. No, that's all right, mate. And um, yeah, it just seemed a little bit, um, the whole policy around COVID was in reverse really with regards to getting sunlight and locking people in their homes and, and, and keeping them out of the outdoors. 
seemed to be a bit counterproductive. Yeah, well, well, one of the what well, what could have the worst thing that could have happened if they'd said just go out and get a bit of sunlight, you know. Mm. But you didn't hear that recommendation at not all. all. Not at all. Kind of put all our eggs in one basket there, didn't we? Yeah. 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 And and you know then you got to ask yourself it could be another conspiracy theory, but will the sun be around in 50 years? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, with climate um well, like very, yeah. Extremely yeah, brief segue, but have you heard this crazy scheme they're talking about to start pumping, uh, I think it's calcium carbonate, into the upper atmosphere to block the sun? Yep, mm. yep. Well, Bill Gates uh, funded um, some sort of uh, experiment. I, I can't remember which country it was. might have been in the, in the Scandinavian countries, and yeah, it was withdrawn. withdrawn. Uh, he wanted to uh, send a balloon up into the atmosphere with particles or du- some sort of particle, chemical particles, that would then release into the atmosphere and then he want, they wanted to um, study the uh, effect of sunlight through those particles and how, how much sunlight was reduced uh, onto on wow. the Earth's surface. Yeah. yeah. So well, we kn- they're already looking at ways to, for what a, whatever reason, uh, minimise sunlight. Mm. Well, I'm going to do my best to persuade people that that's a terrible idea today and all the benefits of sunlight. Yeah, and, right and vitamin D. That yeah. with it, so. What about you, Mick? You've uh, had a bit of a flu lately. You've been getting out in the sun? Uh, well, I haven't in the last sort of four or five days because we haven't had a lot of sun. But, um, yeah, it's it's a topic that's um, pretty important. You know, I'll be looking to sort of touch on some stuff today in relation to, um, you know, the instance of low vitamin D in, in um, disease progression in cancer and things like that. And that's how important this is. So I haven't managed myself the last few days, mate, but uh, we've got the sun coming out from tomorrow and I'll certainly be getting, getting out there to top up, that's for sure. Good. Sunny Queensland. Well, I guess, Mickey, one of the good things is, um, as some people might know, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, so we can store it in our body and then release it over a longer period. So if you're getting periods of four or five days where you've got no sun, as long as your levels are good, uh, it should be no dramas. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, Smitty, uh, sorry, sorry, you go, Mickey. You go ahead. You go, mate. So, Smitty, with that, um, that uh, absorption and, and holding it in the fat cells, was that uh, – so? Over the summer period, you you absorb that that vitamin D, and then during the winter period, those stores are then utilised during the winter period when there's less sun. Is that is that how it works? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So your your fat soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K they're the fat soluble vitamins okay. that we have in our body. They're the ones that we can store over a longer period, and they're we, we can release them uh, as needed. So I think we can sort of store up to about six months of vitamin D. Uh, in our body, and it's obviously designed to get through those winter months, especially in parts of the world where it's uh, a lot less sun over winter, yeah. get into those higher and lower latitudes. Um, but it's it's a good one. You don't need to necessarily – it's probably ideal to get exposed to sun every day, in my opinion, but if you're not, then we definitely have mechanisms that we can keep our levels adequate. Hmm. Yeah. So we, we need that sunlight to manif- manufacture vitamin D. Yes. You need to get out in the sun. It's Yeah. So vitamin D, it's, it's an essential hormone. It can regulate our cell growth, prevent a host of illnesses. So I'll just touch on a little bit of um, physiology maybe or mechanics of it, and then we, can, we won't go so deep. But So essentially within our skin, we have sort of little enzymatic biofactories sort of that convert our 
cholesterol to vitamin D. So when the UVB rays hit our skin, the cholesterol, we can go down a cholesterol rabbit hole and why it's been demonized and we need it. If we don't have cholesterol, we die, right? So, But the cholesterol is there. It converts to vitamin D when the UVB rays hit our skin. So that, you, that, that vitamin D has a kind of central role in metabolizing calcium, improving absorption of vitamin A and C you were talking about, gives us strength, builds our immunity. And I didn't know this before I sort of looked into it, but influences about 2,000 of our genes in a positive way. One of the other things that sun exposure does is it triggers our endorphins and, and serotonin and releases those good vibe hormones and it helps regulate our cell growth and, and renewal of cells. So very essential to to what we need, but or to live really. So we can probably talk about safe levels of sun exposure because obviously we don't want to burn and we know that getting too much sun and, and burning is, is a bad thing. And uh, I guess we, we should make that clear as well to anyone listening that we're not here advocating going out in you know 40 degrees on a hot summer's day in the middle of the day and frying yourself. We're, we're, we're talking about just safe exposure. We did, we did talk about it in the last or briefly in, in, the, in the president of the world one where we were talking about sun exposure, but there's many variables for manufacturing vitamin D and, and that is you know y- your skin pigment. So if you're lighter skinned, you don't need to spend as much time in the sun. You uh, have darker skin pigment. You can spend a little bit longer uh, as ancestral man. Are you looking back previously? You know, people with darker skin pigment would have been sort of around the equator in sort of hotter environments, and it's it's an it's an adaption for living in those environments. So you, obviously, it's an adaption so that you you can live in that environment. Yep. So time of day, obviously, we talked about that. If you're going out in the sun. Now, you don't want to go out, especially in a, in the Australian summer, forty degrees in the middle of the day. You know you are gonna you're gonna burn very very quickly. The latitude, the reflection of the sun off the earth is another one. If you're on the beach with the white sand, it can reflect off you on the ocean as well. Yeah, it's, and and pollution's another one. We talked about sort of you know blocking the the clouds, which seems a little bit futuristic, but you know, if, if you are living in an environment where there's a lot of pollution, some of those UVB rays can't get through to, to hit our skin and, and turn our cholesterol into vitamin D. Mm. Mm. And a really good point with that, CJ, that you bring up is obviously the sun going through the atmosphere and how we can lose the effect of the UVB. Well, if mm. you're getting out early morning and late afternoon, you shouldn't really be getting any harmful UV rays if mm. you time it just right. So... Sunlight has some amazing health properties, which I'm going to talk about maybe a little later. But if you want to sort of get all the benefits of the sun with none of the negatives, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about UV here. So as you touched on, we need UVB uh, to make vitamin D, UVB yep. contact with our skin. But there's some other really good health benefits uh, with the red light and the near-infrared inf- near uh, light spectrums within sunlight that you can get early in the morning and late in the afternoon. 
essentially risk-free because your, your UV is getting filtered out when the sun is low in the in the sky, and, yep. and you're not getting that that negative. So, um, can I can I pause you there, and then you can come back? Yes, because that's a good point. Sort of the window window of opportunity to get vitamin D or sun exposure or vitamin D from the sun. The UV index has to be above three. Below three, you're not getting the UVB rays. The sun has to be at a 45 degree elevation. So any lower than that, see, we, we're talking the, the rays can't get through. And like you're talking about there, Smithy, is that's usually in the morning and late in the afternoon, obviously when the sun's rising and setting. And that's and that's typically typically between sort of 10 and 3 p.m. for us in w, in in Western Australia. Might be a little bit different. Queensland, where Mickey is, it's a little bit closer to the equator, so things are a little bit different. But yeah, so to avoid that burning, if you're going to be in that window of opportunity, you probably only want 10 to 20 minutes. And outside of that, there is still benefits. But I thought I'd jump in there because that was kind of a good segue to talk about. When we when the times that are appropriate to get large portions of our skin exposed to the sun, and then you can give us our benefits there. Well, just on that very briefly, if you want a good rule of thumb about when it's safe to get sun exposure without the UV, I came across a study, and it's basically saying that if you're outside in the early morning or the late afternoon, and your shadow on the ground is taller than you physically are, so if you're one and a half metres tall and your shadow on the ground is longer than one and a half metres, or if, you, <laughs> if you're two and a half metres tall, no, <laughs> if your shadow is longer than you are, yeah. you should be safe for UV exposure. So it's a safe a time to be yeah, outside. Yeah. So you can get your, that's a good rule of thumb, your, yeah. your red and your near infrared light and all the amazing benefits from the sun without the risk of UV because the sun is travelling through so much atmosphere because it's at a low level that essentially that UVB is being filtered and blocked. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. So, doesn't matter where you are in the world, that rule should hold true. Yeah. So after that period, we're getting the UVB and that allows us to develop our vitamin D. But before that, like you were talking about, there is benefits to that early morning and late afternoon sun exposure. There is amazing benefits. <laughs> are you going to get... So... I'm putting you on the spot there. Or you got some? No, no. Cool, yeah, this cool. is great. Yep. So... We've obviously got all these therapies that you can go and get now. So you can go and get uh, red light therapy or photobiomodulation or all these sort of cutting edge uh, techniques which can help with elite uh, athletes in performance and, and wellness and longevity. But we can get a lot of these benefits from the sun. So when you look at sunlight and you break it down into spectrums, uh, the really beneficial spectrums are your near infrared and your red light for um, a whole range of things. And that's 34% of the sunlight that you get. And if you go out in the morning, then you get all those benefits with none of the UV. And some of the benefits you can get, and this the first one is counterintuitive, is that near-infrared and red light actually fights skin aging and wrinkles. <laughs> Not UV, but yeah. near-infrared and red light. It reduces body fat. It increases muscle protein synthesis and lean muscle. Uh, yeah, making muscle. It increases your strength and endurance. It decreases uh, chronic inflammation. And it helps with uh, wound healing and bodily repair. Hmm. So like that's free from the sun. You can go in the morning and the late afternoon and essentially get that for free. Yeah. Imagine if you came up with a pill that did all those things I just listed. <laughs> You'd be a multi-billionaire. Yeah, yeah. You would be a made man. It'd be like the person who invented bloody Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's you can free just, for all of us to go yeah. in the sun, and we're also shit scared of the sun because we've yeah. been fucking made to be terrified of it. Yeah, yeah. Because we're going to get cancer. And imagine if going out the sun gave you a boner. Like the Viagra, you'd be laughing. Mate, it probably does. I think I've read somewhere about <laughs> testosterone, so who knows? It's, it's, it, it increases those good vibe hormones, doesn't it? Yep. Serotonin, endorphins, yes. you know, you go out and you just feel it. You feel better in the sun. And there is a, there is a reason why they have um, the seasonal... What's it? Seasonal effective disorder. Eff- effective disorder, yeah, because yep. you need the sun. It makes you feel good. You know, yep. you know, you you know, you get your shirt off and you go out in the sun. You love it. You mm. never have your shirt on in the summer, rooster. <laughs> and and the last one I'll say about this uh, awesome near infrared and red light is that it can decrease DOMS. Oh, there you go. So for all you guys that love a workout, delayed onset muscle soreness. Yeah. Uh, you know the second first there are a lot second of day after a hard level, workout. There are a lot of elite level athletes now who've got these uh, devices. Usually it's a laser or an LED light that emits a certain spectrum of light. So it's usually in the 600 to 900 nanometer range. And if you say you're going to do a leg workout, say you're going to blast your your quads and your hammies, if you run over your legs beforehand and afterwards with uh, near-infrared and red light emitting devices, you can dramatically reduce DOMS. Wow. Wow, That's amazing. Don't hear about that, do you? No. That's incredible. Some elite sporting teams will be using that for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Free from the sun, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, so touching on sort of what we were saying earlier, guys, if we know the sun and we know um, vitamin D absorption from the sun is such a powerful component of, of having, I guess, your health, why, why is it that we feel people are so afraid of the sun? Oh, that'd be a... Of a massive campaign, I guess, to sell more sunscreen. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's the fear of that melanoma, right? And that's the so melanoma is the squamous cell and basal cell are the sort of the three main sort of cancers you can get from what they say you can get from the sun. But people are very scared, like Maddie was saying before, very scared of getting out in the sun because of 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 melanoma. So I think people are very fearful. I can't go out in the sun. I've got to put sunscreen on and sunscreen we can talk about as well, but we've got to put this chemically laden sunscreen on so that I can go out in the sun. If I don't, I'm going to get the melanoma. So I think that's what people are worried about. And I think also there's got to be a a balance considered because I know of old school brickies, right, bricklayers, who have been out in the sun from 7 a.m. till maybe 2 p.m. in the Arvo, doing, building a house. And they are riddled with skin cancers on their face. They've lost parts of their nose, parts of their ears. So there's no denying that the sun can have uh, a, an impact on, on your skin at that, that, that level. Definitely. But you I guess what, we're, what yep. we're talking about here is a long-term exposure in one day, over a week, over a month, and particularly in the summer months in Australia – a brickie is going to be so exposed, overly exposed to the sun that that's going to un- enable these cancers to develop. But here we are talking about um, exposing ourselves to sun for health benefits in those safe periods. And I guess so safe is the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly we want right. safe periods. We don't definitely yeah. don't want to burn. That's nothing. right. And I, I guess a brickie is going outside, or someone that works out in the sun on a, on a daily basis for for weeks on end 
is going outside of that safe that safe range mm, on a regular guess. basis, therefore putting themselves under more. Yeah, and, and one of the things I read was that sunscreens don't block the UVA rays, and they seem to be the ones that cause the melanoma. Yeah. Well, an interesting fact, though, if we're talking about cancers and so on, um, as I was looking into a bit of stuff, I was trying to ascertain how many um, IUs or international units the Australian sun gave over a certain period of time so I could receive the maximum amount of, of dosage of vitamin D. And every when I Googled it, uh, you know, good old Google. It's your first mistake. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I knew I was sort of going down the, the wrong track. Everything, most of the links that were provided to me were, were links to the Cancer Foundation, the Australian Cancer Council. Cancer Council. I thought, well, that's pretty weird. Uh, all I want is some sort of scientific research paper on that, on that, that fact. It wasn't until I went and searched um, the Brave search engine when I found some neutral, um, non-cancer organisation-related facts. I found that quite interesting, you know, and um, Google, yeah, it was, that sort of blew me away a little bit. One uh, of the great, I would probably say the greatest website you can go to about sun exposure, skin cancer, and the issues that sunscreen causes and they are various, is the Environmental Working Group. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. Give me two seconds. I'll look it up. It's um, www.ewg.com, I think. And it it is a plethora of information about the sun. It's a great one. Yep. Real good. Isn't it amazing that one of the side effects of using too much sunscreen to avoid skin cancer is getting cancer? Yep. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's been, I read somewhere that there is a reduction in our population's vitamin D uh, count in our bloodstream because of excessive use and of sunscreen and also of the, um, the really, really high SPF rating of sunscreens. I mean, I think now in Australia you can get 50 plus SPF yes. rating. Uh, so the higher that SPF rating is when I mean, we're smothering ourselves with this stuff, um, it, it's preventing us from absorbing vitamin D. And so I just thought in, in preparation for this chat, I thought I'd bring in my, um, my old surfing sun cream tube. And I just wanted to have a look at the active ingredients in it. Now bear with me because I might not be able to pronounce most of these long words. But that, that there's active ingredients are octocrylene. Bad one. Butyl methoxydibadenyl methane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, zinc oxide, 4-methylbenzyl iodine, cam camphor. Uh, it also contains phenoxethanol. So I, I guess uh, ethanols are alcohols. Uh, preservative, that is, yeah. A preservative. Yeah. Hydroxybenzoates yeah. Um, and oxybenzone. So... The thing is that we sort of, I think as humans, we sort of neglect our skin as a, um, a natural absorption of things. It's, it's a great physical barrier to protect us, but it also is, a, is an absorber of, of pollutants. So with all those ingredients there, could you imagine putting that into a cup of water and drinking those? Yeah. Because you know, you'd, not you'd, natural you'd, at all, you'd right? absorb them by, by consuming them. In effect, we are consuming them through our skin. Yes. 100%. It, 
interestingly, that environmental working group, so it's .org, E-W-G, .org, uh, is a real good one for safer guide on sunscreen. So all of those ones you listed there, so benzene, oxybenzone, um, homosalate, octocreline, they are hormone disruptors, endocrine disruptors, and they they have nanoparticles that cross the skin barrier. So when you're putting them on, you absorb those. Yep. So the ones that don't, funnily enough, are the natural ones. So zinc oxide and titanium oxide, you can put those ones on and they are not absorbed by the skin and they naturally protect you from the skin. Right, and so is that why um, like zinc, you know, the, the, the real thick white zinc um, sun protection is better? Yeah, it's just a physical barrier, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, these ones are a chemical bar- barrier and you are absorbing those into your skin. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's so amazing and yeah. scary. Very scary, yeah. And we're putting those in on our kids' skin. Yep. Can you get natural, are there natural sunscreens? I know my yep. wife once bought yes. a tube of avocado. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That, they're, that's made in WA, by the way. Yeah, right. Avocado zinc, yep. it's a good one, yeah. Interesting though, that's sort of sat on the counter and it's still full. Yeah, and the old easy pump one from Woolworths has um has been used the most. Yeah, well, zinc oxide can be a pain, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's so pasty and it's so hard to yeah. You look like you're dead just about when you rub yeah. it on your face. You look like a corpse because it makes you all white. I don't um, care anymore. No, nah, no, nah, look. Yeah, yeah. It's a badge of honor, I reckon. I'm wearing that. People are like, look at this weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Dropping yeah. the kids off at school. If I'm going for a surf afterwards, I'm wearing the zinc. They'll be like, what is this guy doing? But yeah. I want them to ask, oh, you look at your sunscreen. And then I can sort of explain, well, this is nice and natural. And it's good for the reef. Yes. It doesn't kill the reef. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you jump into the pool or the ocean after you've just doused yourself with sunscreen, look at the oil f- um, yeah. film around your body. Yeah. The, the pool's a big one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mick, you were, um, you were indicating something in some sort of discussion there around um, vitamin D and, and cancer based on your, your own personal experiences with your family. Yeah, so look, uh, we, we were really lucky to connect with um, uh, a naturopathic oncologist over in America when, when Kim first fell ill. And prior to our consultation with her, you know, we'd already got sort of headfirst into our own research and exploring ways of returning the body back to optimum health. And, and one of the things that uh, that we incorporated in because you know, there's lots and lots and lots of research out there about in, an abundance of different things. But one of the things that kept popping up was this exposure to vitamin D and keeping your levels of vitamin D at, at healthy levels. Um, so, you know, it was it was a great thing for us. And we're going to talk about lots of these topics in the next couple of months. But one of the things that she actually inquired with us about in our three and a half hour consultation was... Uh, what is your skin like, uh, you know, trying to ascertain whether Kim had olivey skin or white skin or, or what was her skin like and what was her um, vitamin D levels in her bloods. And, and it was a primary question. So it wasn't like it was a question laid in the piece. There was seven or eight primary things to do with supplementation, vitamins and things like that. And one of the primary questions was vitamin D. And she went on to explain that those with healthy levels of vitamin D uh, were less likely uh, through, and and there was a number of studies that she sent over to us on this, but 
they were less likely to have cancer progression or they were, they seemed to get more favorable outcomes uh, than those comparatively with low vitamin D levels. So, you know, we're talking about something here that is, is very, very powerful. And so what we implemented uh, into, into the daily, I guess, routine for her yeah, over, over the next period of months was uh, she would actually in the morning and in the afternoon. And so around those times you guys have indicated, she would, she would go out in the garden um, and she would uh, have full sun exposure. So she would just lay out there just on a towel with nothing on. She'd probably kill me for telling everyone this. Thankfully, we had no neighbours that liked to peek over uh, that we know of. And uh, she would actually have 20 to 25 minutes of full sun exposure uh, in the morning and in the afternoon. Wow. Every day. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, doing it in a safe way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, just just allowing to, us to extend on that a little bit. Unfortunately, uh, because of um, our, our option to um, utilize chemotherapy as a part of Kim's treatment, one of the one of the outcomes uh, in involved in chemotherapy use, which is now being commonly accepted by the Cancer Council and uh, oncologists and all that sort of thing, is that it actually does change people's melatonin contents. Uh, so, so their melatonin structure within their body can shift um, as an outcome of utilising chemotherapy. And so, uh, my wife is uh, she's got beautiful Croatian. Um, olive skin uh she goes very very dark in, in summer uh she barely had a mole on her but some six to nine months after chemotherapy finished she actually developed a melanoma and she barely had a mole on her body and wow. so interestingly you know your, your natural instinct which is something we've spoken about guys here is that you start to query the sun death sun damage you know what of is this from sun exposure uh you know when is it likely that this occurred and all that sort of thing and again i feel very very blessed because we came uh in contact with uh, a clinical dermatologist he's one of the best in the country and we're lucky enough to have him over in western australia and he specifically said to her never, never, never be afraid of the sun. He said, you're an intelligent person. You have not developed this skin cancer from sun damage. I can tell that from observing your skin. And he said, the worst thing you could do for your health and your recovery from cancer right now would be to not get in the sun. And this guy was one of the most proactive health professionals that we've actually met, you know, you expect to go into a, a dermatologist and they'll, you know, they're, they're ramming this, my, certainly my perception was they're going to be ramming sunscreen down our throats and all sorts of things. Couldn't have been further from the truth, guys. This mm. guy specifically spoke about things like you guys have just indicated there. Be very, very cautious about the type of sun cream that you are putting on your skin. Um, utilising a high zinc sunscreen with, you know, minimal other chemicals was, was his suggestion. And he, and he specifically says every time she goes back, which is three monthly, do not be afraid of the sun. Get out and get yourself vitamin D every day. It will be the number one of the number one things 
at stopping cancer progression. And I thought that was amazing coming from someone like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That's a, appreciate that story, Mickey. That's amazing mm. to hear that, you know, that personal attachment that we kind of have to to this this topic really in that you you could have gone out and said well you know i've been told millions of times that melanoma is from being too much in the sun and and your your thought process was no there's got to be something there's got to be something else and that's prob- that's probably where we're all coming from in in our own health journeys and, and in the world is you know there is alternative alternative to what is always discussed and what has always been talked about I appreciate that story. It's good. Yeah, good on you, Mick. <clears throat> and so if, if we're considering cancer as sort of like a, a form of inflammation of a cell, so once mm-hmm. a cancer forms, there's inflammation. Vitamin D is known as a, a redu- re- reducer of inflammation. Is that that's, that'd be correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so Mick was um, – and so it obviously plays a part also in our immune system and, and regulating our immune system. So Mick – and. In addition to that sun exposure, was there any vitamin D supplementation that Kim was recommended? Yes, she did. The naturopathic oncologist actually had her initially, and we looked this up for this week. Um, She was on up to, I think it was 10,000 international units. Right. Which a lot of the research that I did sort of in the lead up to this indicated that for women, anything over 4,000 international units can be quite dangerous. And I think... It was, it was great to sort of have some of your thoughts correlate with mine, um, Rue, because a lot of the, when, when you are utilising Google or Google Scholar and things like this, it does bring you back to a lot of cancer-related websites or websites funded by cancer councils, funded by the government and things like that. And they're always going to err on the side of caution in terms of, uh, I guess, things have to, you know, as, as we've indicated, and, you know, I'm certainly not saying this is positive or negative. I don't think it's great all the time, but they're never going to endorse a study on more than what has been clinically trialled. So, and what can be proven repeatedly. Uh, and I guess that's why in a lot of ways science has taken the advancing steps that it has. And in a lot of ways, it's really limiting as well, but no, in, in the interim, and she already had relatively high levels of vitamin D, but in the interim, she was, um, she was given an amount of 10,000 international units. Was that each day, Mikey? I believe it was daily. Yes, initially. And I think it may have only been for like the first month and then it scaled back to around that 4,000 international units. And just, um, just out of interest, did your uh, oncologist treating you measure vitamin D levels or did you measure it through your a naturopath? Or So there was a number of key markers that we, uh, that I guess outside of the, the target markers for her specific cancer, we knew we needed to keep an eye on. So vitamin D was one of those markers that we we would go into our GP when we got her bloods done fortnightly and these would be things we would make sure were on there. Yeah, yeah. It, I was just interested in whether the sort of conventional Western medical model was interested in monitoring it or if that was more something that you just did off your own bat because you knew the importance of it. I'm just wondering if the science is sort of caught up with, with the oncology yeah, world. I think- 
I think in a lot of instances it has, um, but I still think we're we're caught in a cycle of of, of treating symptoms. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going into an oncologist, uh, you know, my wife's primary cancer was was a bowel cancer. They're generally, uh, although I did metastasize to her liver as well, so they're generally going to be looking at, um, you know, bowel markers, blood markers, white and red blood cell markers, um, liver markers and things like that. You know, I, I guess when you go down the route of, of more of a naturopathic approach, they are looking at things more holistically. And I think that... It, it, it's great to explore things in that way because, you know, like we've said with many other things prior to this, it's never just a one shoe fits all for this. Definitely. Yeah. And just with regards to the dosage there, mate, um, you mentioned the, um, the IUs per day of, of 10,000 international units. The Vitamin D Council, uh, I read, uh, recommend a daily amount for adults of 2,000 IUs. Is that is that supplementation? Supplementation, yeah. yeah. Because you yeah. can get up to sort of ten to fourteen from the sun. Yeah. Well, maybe even as much as twenty. I've read if you get uh, full body sun exposure for twenty minutes in the middle of the day, yeah. you should be able to make twenty thousand international units. And I guess supplementation is probably something that's more recommended for people in in other um, climates, I, I suppose, or Scandinavia, Northern Hemisphere yeah, sort of places. Europe. Um, where we probably don't need that supplementation no, no, here, yeah. but but what what I read there was just getting back onto that. There's there's this little bit of a um a a, a tough uh, thing for people to assess how much vitamin D they need because when they go and get their vitamin D measured in their blood, it's recorded in nanograms per milliliter. It's not recorded in the international units. Yeah. So you've got yeah. these disparaging sort of figures. You've got one saying you know you need four thousand international units, uh, which probably equates to 20 or 30 nanograms per milliliter of blood. Um, and to further complicate that, in Australia, for Australian listeners, it's it's uh, shown in nanomoles per millimeter. Nanomoles. Per, per milliliter. Yeah. Right. So it can get quite confusing when you look at the reference ranges because a lot of the literature is American and they're yes. in that nanograms per milliliter per milliliter, yep. whereas Australia is nanomoles. So, so don't get confused because the, the, the numbers and the reference ranges are, are quite different because of the different way it's measured. And even when you are taking supplements, you've still got um, other barriers uh, of inflammation that are going to prevent the absorption um, of, uh, of the vitamin D as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've never had a, a vitamin D supplement. I've never had my vitamin D um, uh, blood tested. But, uh, it's an interesting sort of fact about how much do you really need if you want to supplement it. I get mine tested every year. Yeah, I, I get it tested. Yeah, well. and so from in a, living in Australia, what what sort of readings do you get, and how does your reading equate to how many IUs that would be a day? I've got no idea. Mm-hmm. I know mine's about in the middle of winter, about seventy, which is they say you know above the reference range. I talked about the D-Minder app on that last part one, Presidents of the World. Yep. You can go back and listen to that about you know using a modern technology for safe sun exposure as, a, as an ancestral man trying to get the vitamin D. But that one, that one counts the international units that you're getting from the sun as well. I don't think I mentioned that last time, but you can pop it on you know, plug in your metrics and it'll 
tell you how long you can stay in the sun for. And as you were doing it, so you're getting 25 minutes in the sun, it gives you an alarm, say if you're lying on your stomach, to switch it halfway and turn over. But at the end of it, it'll say, for that session, you got 14,000 international units. And then there's a little gauge at the bottom and it tells you how, based on that, how many or how what your nanomole is. So in, wow. yeah, so in summer, if I get about, say, 10 to 12 in a sun session, let's call it that, it'll go, say we're starting at a base rate of 70 f- coming out of winter, that will go up about two. So it'll go from 70 to 72. And then the next one might go, you know, 72 to 75. And then you kind of work your way up and you get up to, in the middle of summer, I might be 110, 120. And then it sort of slowly goes down. I could actually get, I haven't done any, there is not much sun going on at the moment, but I could find that app and tell you what it would equate to. Yeah. Should we briefly just yeah. talk about the uh, op- sort of optimum levels of vitamin D in terms of the, the different yeah. ranges yeah. For, for people listening? So I sort of did a bit of research. In Australia, we're talking about nanomoles per milliliter, and the recommendation is not to be below 50, and they sort of talk about the upper range as being 125. Uh, in the US, in the nanograms per milliliter, they're talking about a range between 20 and 50. However, if you look at a lot of sort of functional practitioners who are more in the wellness space, a lot of them are recommending a higher range. So they're sort of talking about 60 to 80 in the American nanograms per milliliter, which equates to sort of 150 to 200 uh, nanomoles in Australia. So if you do look at people that are in those highest levels of vitamin D, uh, when they get their bloods tested, then they certainly see lower levels of uh, sort of cancer and autoimmune disease and stuff like that. So I think testing is really valuable. Yep. I think a lot of GPs are really open to doing a vitamin D test for you now. And I think if you go in with some knowledge and you can back it up and and and, and hopefully that's what this podcast is doing, we, we may talk, we could probably do a whole podcast on blood work and you know, 100%. things to ask for and you can go in and you can get them for free. Yep. And they're great. And vitamin D is one of them. Yep. Um, you can, and we're going to probably talk about inflammation in the future. And, you know, there, there are markers of inflammation you can go in and, and check as well. Good one. Good one to get checked. Yeah. But sort of further to what you were saying there, Smithy, there's, I, I found a study, the Journal of, the Journal of Internal Medicine. This was a Lindquist. I don't want to... Stereotype, but it kind of sounds like it could be a uh, someone from the Scandinavians area. Uh, this was in 2014, but this one was sort of talking about, and going back to what Mikey was saying as well, the, the abstract was talking about, or the summary was saying that the of, of avoidance of sun is a risk for all-cause all mortality. I butchered that a little bit, but say... So, I guess for our listeners, all cause mortality is all things that cause death, whether it be disease, illness, etc. So avoiding the sun shortens your lifespan and not enough is as harmful as getting too much. And, and, and they, they were saying that a vitamin D deficiency, and I linked to another study, it was 2009, the Archives of Internal Medicine, I talked about it in the the last podcast, 77% of the US population have insufficient levels of vitamin D. 
So that all-cause mortality um, and having a vitamin D deficiency is linked to about 17 different cancers. Wow. Yeah. Mm. It, was a, it was quite an interesting study, yeah. It's really important, mm. isn't it? It's really important. Mm. Yeah. So what if we are some listeners out there, if they went and got their blood tested, they got a, um, a nanomole per litre reading. Uh, I've just tried to have a look at a conversion from nanomoles per litre to international units. Uh, I guess a, a, a GP or a person testing might be able to give that patient advice on how would that convert to, if that person wanted to supplement, how many IUs that would be. Do you understand where I'm oh, getting Oh, yeah, at? yeah, I see what you're saying. Yep. So if, if, I, if I get a blood test and I'm checking my vitamin D and I've got a, a reading of 70 nanomoles per milliliter, what does that mean to me? How do I move forward with that? Um, how, how do I know how many international units I should consume a day to maintain that or, or increase it if I needed to? Yeah, okay, so guess for me using, and I'm not a doctor, not medical advice, <laughs> not prescribing anything, but using that app that I was talking about, uh, the D-Minder. Yeah, okay. I would get between sort of if I, in the sun, I'd get sort of 10,000 international units. I think that would equate to between two and five nanomole. Right. Yep. Yeah, there is a formula that you can use yeah, for, I'll, I'll for supplementation. Yeah. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I would go one step further and say if you go and get your blood tested and say you came out at 70 nanomoles like you're talking about and you wanted to increase it, I would say get some more sensible sun exposure because yep. the great thing about getting it from the sun is that you can't overdose on it. Yep. Your body is not going to make a harmful level of vitamin D, whereas if you supplement and you start taking like a crazy amount of vitamin D for an extended period of time, it, it can become harmful and you can get disruptions with your yeah. calcium balance and some other and there things. There can be some kidney damage. There can be some kidney damage sort of down downstream from that. So, right. okay. Whereas if you get it from the sun in a safe manner, and just to reiterate, we're not talking about getting burnt, it's completely safe, it's free, and it gets you outdoors. So, And what about, for the, the punter out there, what about the, uh, their nutrition? So let, what about, you know, obviously, sun can help us out. What about food? Um, Su- supplementing with food or the food or that just you the eat food that you damage. eat. So, no, no, uh, so maximising our vitamin D intake through our nutrition. So what foods can... Um, can we eat that can increase our vitamin D? So like, I, I know salmon, so like your fatty fishes yeah. are really high in, in vitamin D. So if, if someone's incorporating salmon on a regular basis into their diet, um, I know. How I high mean, is it? Because I know that mushroom, mushrooms so, are quite So mushrooms good. are quite high. You're highest out of all your food uh, sort of sourced ingredients is cod liver oil. That's right. Yep. Cod liver oil is super high. Yeah. But then you've got... What's that getting? Because I, I haven't really looked into the food side of things because I've always just sort of used the sun. So that'll give you D2, vitamin D2, if it's food-based. Oh, okay, right, yeah. And then your body will still convert that into the um, bioactive uh, 25-OH vitamin D that we're all talking about. But obviously we have food and sun as our two ways of getting it. And yeah. if you're talking about your food base, then uh, all your sort of oily fish, your, your mackerel, your salmons uh, are good Cod liver oil is the highest, and then you do have things like mushrooms, and all, all food will have some, or a lot of foods will have some level of vitamin D in it. Yeah, and, and you're spot on there, Smitty. Smitty. Um, cod liver oil uh, had 1,360 international units uh, per teaspoon, which is quite, that was the highest. Salmon had 1,050 international units in a 200-gram slab, which is like your average 
you know, slab of salmon. Uh, tuna, that was a little bit smaller, 170 IUs in a little 95 grand can, you know, the little, yeah. little cans that you get at the shops. And there were other foods like sardines, milk, uh, beef liver, egg yolk. Had some, but they were minuscule amounts. Yeah. So your big one um, would be, and I, I don't know, I didn't really look into eating just cod liver. I know that's, uh, we've spoken about organ, organ meats before, mm. uh, where the cod liver would provide the same uh, vitamin D provision. Probably if you look at it ancestrally, during the winter months, we would have probably fished for those things. Yeah, definitely. And got yeah. those, got that extra vitamin D that we needed during the winter when there wasn't an abundance of fruit and things that we could just pluck off the tree and, and some some hunting. Yep. Winter months, you sort of hunker down, bunker down, hunker down. Yeah, yeah. You know, go fishing, catch the fish because the other things sort of aren't available. Yeah, it's more yeah. of a seasonal thing. Eating seasonally helps. Definitely the ancestral man, doesn't it? And also, I guess with vitamin D uh, being a fat-soluble vitamin, obviously fatty being stored, yeah, you, you know, and your fatty acids like your cod liver oils and things like that. That's in, in those oily fish which are high in uh, fatty acids. That's probably why you're going to get that high sort of vitamin D level. And maybe we would have sort of tended to eat more of that in winter, like your high energy sort of fatty foods when you're you're trying to fight off the effects of the cold and get your, get your high energy load and things like that. Isn't so, that amazing? So nature, in its own way was providing us with vitamin D in those ancestral times. In the summer months, we were outdoors a lot more, getting vitamin D from the sun. In winter, it might have been darker, shorter days. Um, we weren't out in the sun so much, but we were getting that from nutrition like those fatty fishes. So just by nature, in our you know ancestral days, we would have been receiving adequate amounts of vitamin D just by living. Yep. Yeah, just by spending all day outside in the sun. Yep, and, and, and eating and, and eating natural food. Yeah, yep. regulates our immune function. So probably viruses and illnesses we kicked maybe a little bit easier back in the day. You know, yeah, you know? super important for immune yeah. function, isn't it? Vitamin yeah. D and you kept down on inflammation. And CJ, one study: if you spend all day outside in the sun on a regular basis, that will increase your serotonin levels eight times, eight hundred percent. Wow! Wow. Do SSRIs, are they that effective? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So if you want to feel happy, yeah, look good, get a bit of a tan, yeah. have great immune function, make get a bit more muscle, burn a bit more fat. Yeah. And, and on that get note, outside. are we, we getting close to the end here? Should yeah, we? yeah. And I'll probably just uh, finish off my point here with, yeah, um, with regards to um, supplementation. If, if someone just you now says, oh, you know, cod liver oil, I'll go out and get a, a tub of that from the chemist. Uh, to get my vitamin D levels up. They also need to be aware of um, things that are going to prevent that absorption. So already if they're deficient, if they if a person has high inflammation, so like arthritis, bursitis or anything with inflammation. That might be a good topic uh, for the next podcast. For sure. Uh, <laughs> even any gut, gut damage, so like antibiotics, if they've been on antibiotics, even being old, um, obese and insulin resistant, they're all going to affect... That's uh, vitamin D absorption. So it's not just a matter of going out and thinking, yeah, I'll just pop some cod liver oil pills and I'll be right. There are other factors that are going to reduce that absorption of the vitamin D um, that you might need to consider before you. That's a great point, Ru. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's where testing probably comes in, I think, as being so important. We're all different. We're all individual in our uh, you know, biochemistry and 
how we process all this stuff. So mm. go and get a test. It's real cheap. Yeah. Even if your doctor won't give it to you, you can pay for it yourself. There's companies in Australia like uh, iMedical and iScreen. You can go and get your own vitamin D test. Very inexpensive. Probably cost you 40 bucks. Yeah. So. Mick, you got anything to finish off there, mate? I think just in terms of the ranges you said earlier as well, um, just remember that any time you receive your blood markers back, they actually give you a, a healthy range for most readings. So uh, that'll actually flag if you are under or over in, in particular things, and, and that's something that you can then speak to speak to your GP about. So the way that information's presented, you, you, you can you can actually read it quite easily these days. That's a great point, mate. I forgot about that. Yeah, they do give you that little range, don't they? And then to the right-hand side is your your result. And you Absolutely. can compare it yeah. to the range, yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah, cool. For the top of the range. Good call. I guess a few takeaways today will be making sure we're getting safe sun exposure. You'd, you can utilise some apps that we, we've talked about, but making sure we don't get sunburnt, getting out in the morning and evening for the benefits of sun exposure and then sort of in that window of opportunity, making sure we're, we're getting some sun exposure for vitamin D using a natural-based sunscreen, I think was another one where we discussed, sort of zinc oxide or titanium oxide, one of those ones, but the ones you read out there, Rooster, we can't even pronounce some of those. And <laughs> we're putting those on our skin and the nanoparticles are, are entering our skin and causing all kinds of hormonal disruption. So, yeah, don't be afraid of the sun. Obviously, yes. be wary. We don't want to get burnt. Be smart about it. Have some safe sun exposure. And we're getting all the benefits, the serotonin, the vitamin D benefits, and everyone, hopefully, would be in better health. Cool. Yeah. yeah let's go to the beach. I'm yeah, going let's to get, get some sun right yeah, now. Yeah. Beautiful. Well right. done, guys. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the Modern Ancestral Man podcast. Good to chat with you, boys. Good on you, guys. See you, boys. See you, boys. 